return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex, where oil country shops for printers and office equipment. Service is their business. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. 1234 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you at uh, the 630 Chad Studios. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers off-ice workout today. Again, uh, Brandon Davidson, uh, not good news. According to Oilers head coach Todd McClellan today down in Rexall Place saying that uh, more long-term than short-term situation. Clefbaum is back skating with equipment. That's a good sign, but he's not ready yet. Uh, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins would not surprise me if we saw him against Arizona Saturday. Here's the schedule for our show this week. I'll be hosting here tomorrow. Uh, down at Rexall Place, Speck will join us. Stop for Inspector for Horse Racing in Alberta Tuesday at Rexall. Uh, Wednesday, I'll be in the air with the Oilers. Brennan Ulrich will be hosting the show as the Oilers go to uh, St. Paul, Minnesota for a one-game road trip. Game will be played Thursday. Uh, Friday will be an off day for the team, so I'll be hosting here from the studio. And then Edmonton against Arizona on Saturday as the Oilers open up in a two-week uh, time frame here at Home Ice. We go to our headliner. It's presented by ATB Financial. ATB, Alberta's Home Ice Advantage, and pleased to be joined by Mike Johnson of uh, NHL Hockey and Rogers. Mike, long time no talk. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, all of 24 hours. About this time yesterday, we were sitting in the lobby at the hotel uh, yeah. getting ready for the game. Getting ready for the game. Uh, Cam Talbot, the NHL Player of the Week, and it's an amazing thing. Uh, John Van Boxmeer, you'd remember John, uh, mm-hmm. longtime NHL defenseman. He said to me a couple years ago, he goes, Bob, you're never going to know what you have at Edmonton until you have a goalie. That's what he said. He, and... Uh, you know, they've got some. It appears as though they've got some goaltending now. And when a goalie has a nine eighty save percentage over a week, usually the team wins some games. Yeah, and Van Boxer, smart fella, because he's absolutely correct. Because um, goaltenders and good goaltending will allow you to withstand the ebbs and flows of your game. It will obviously cover up for some shortcomings in a game uh, on a team within a roster, and Edmonton has some of those. So, yeah, I mean, the game is so mental and confidence such a fickle thing at times that the fact that a goalie, you can make a bad play, and we all make them, the game is full of mistakes, but when it doesn't go in your net, you don't feel nearly as bad, it doesn't affect you nearly as much, you and your team, as if it does, even though you made the same plays multiple times. So um, it's amazing the confidence and the belief and the general mood of a team is reflective of the caliber of their goaltending. And if Cam Talbot, now, of course, he can never play at the level that he's played the last couple of weeks, but, you know, he gives them, you know, a 920 goaltender in, in mid-range to, to slightly above average in the NHL, um, then you'll have a better sense of, of exactly who you are. And, and you probably won't think that the defense are necessarily as um, porous as, as they appear at times. So, yeah, I mean, goalies make up for all kinds of mistakes. Uh, I played in Toronto my first year. We didn't do very well. Second year, we got Curtis Joseph. Team didn't change too much, but we did great, in large part because he instilled that belief that we would win because of him. So, yeah, and Cam Talbot has the ability and the opportunity to do that for the Oilers. I remember Curtis Joseph in the 97 and the 98 playoffs. I mean, he stole a series. He stole a series against Dallas. Mm -hmm. And head-to-head against Patrick Waugh in 1998 with the Colorado Avalanche, who had won the 96 Stanley Cup. With the Avalanche up three games to one in that series, Curtis Joseph, you couldn't get a P by him from that point on, right? Like he was just locked in, and the Oilers came back and stole a series from the Avs. They had no business doing it. And that's, you know, in Talbot's case, um, you know, Peter Shirelli obviously recognized the Oilers needed to vastly improve their goaltending. 
And so they stepped up. They made the trade for Talbot. You know, he he knows they need more size up front. They they brought in Cassian and then Maroon. The defense obviously is problematic, Mike, and further uh, complicated last night when Brandon Davidson has been their best defenseman for weeks. I mean, he's my guess is he's done for the year. So that was not Yeah, you know what? Just like I was there, I saw it real time, and, and, and you're – you know, your heart drops for the kid, I and mean, he's been through so much, and he's taken a long way to get to where he is. And he was just thriving and starting to really blossom at the NHL level. And you know, you, you feel good that he got that contract extension a few weeks ago, so that at least that part is taken care of. But that doesn't matter to him. I mean, he's playing. He's playing on the power plays, penalty kill. He's playing major minutes in the NHL, and to have that go away in a, a really fluke thing, just Bufflin dropping on his knee by accident. Um, yeah, and it didn't look good. We showed the picture of him getting carted off in a wheelchair because he couldn't put any weight at all on that leg. And um, Yeah, it hurts. It hurts me to see a guy who's fought as hard as he has to get to where he is and then, and then to miss an opportunity that he, was, that he was making the most of. You know, that being said, because he's shown that he has that fight in him, you know, he, he can come back from it. It just may not be this year. Other guys have to step up. Darnell Nurse, uh, 24 minutes last night, six times this year, 24-plus minutes in a game. He leads all NHL rookies in time on ice this year. And so much focus on Connor McDavid. And Darnell's had some problematic times. And part of the issue, Mike, has been third pairing, right, like who he's been playing with. But yep. just, just your thoughts on what we saw to Darnell Nurse last night. Well, I think a few things stand out when you see uh, Darnell play. One, you mentioned the minutes, is that he's physically very gifted. He, he's, a, he's an explosive skater. He's, he's very strong. You've seen him get into some fights throughout the year. He's a tough guy. He can handle playing against big opponents and big minutes. The workload, physically, he's capable of it. Um, he, he, his default mechanism is aggressive, which probably is better than passive because you can probably dial that back as opposed to dialing it up. Um, but when in doubt, he usually tries to go forward and be more aggressive. And, and I think that's really where his game has to be refined uh, to the NHL level is his, his reads, his timing, his decision-making about when to go and where to go. Uh, but physically, he's there. It's tough. It's tough for a young guy to play, as you mentioned, on that third pairing uh, on a team that has had some struggles. And, um, you know, he, he, he probably – there were moments in this year where he might have been better served back in the minors and just helping his confidence because he's, he's kind of dipped and Bob. But you see last night against a pretty good team in Winnipeg that was, that was playing pretty hard. Um, he can handle those minutes. He can handle the big forwards. Um, he just got to get a little bit cleaner in his decision-making, and I think that would help his puck movement, which, uh, which also for him to become as good as Edmonton needs him to be. Those are the two areas he's got to get better. But for a rookie to play 24, 25 minutes uh, and, and, and deal with it physically in the Western Conference, that in itself is impressive. See, I think the Oilers, Mike, can live with Clefbaum when he gets back, and he's back skating and equipment today. Uh, mm-hmm. Clefbaum, and I'm thinking ahead to next season here. Clefbaum, uh, Davidson, and Nurse for sure in their top five based on the minutes that Nurse has played this year. Add Sacrin a lot, but they still need to find a really good guy on the right side. Yes, they do, and 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 it's it's not a, a news flash to to Oilers fans or to the Oilers organization. Uh, and the question is, how are they going to get them, Bob? Where are they going to get them from? Um, it, you know, is it could it be Travis Hamonic? I mean, he's a right shot defenseman who's out there um, because good young guys in the, in the prime of their career is not to go get a guy who's twenty nine or thirty that might have a couple of decent years left. 
um, or do they got to swing a monster trade that you can't even think of and, you know, I don't know, name out of the air, try to pry Shea Weber to Nashville. I mean, who knows? But just, you know, I don't know where else they go to get a really good defender uh, that fits with their group. They're hard to get if you don't draft and develop. And I think Jacob Chikrin is, their, is the number one prospect, defensive prospect uh, in the draft this year. He wouldn't be ready for a little bit. So their needs are immediate, and their group – and their core is at a place in their careers where they don't necessarily want to wait four years for that yep. stud defender to develop, which it might take. So uh, Pete Shirelli's got his work cut out for him because everyone knows what he needs, including the rest of the league. And so they will be um, uh, tough to negotiate with when, when trying to get that asset out of another organization. Mike Johnson joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Mike, you're down on ice level. Mm-hmm. How fast is Connor McDavid? It's ridiculous. And, like, I can appreciate that when I played, I was probably an above-average skater. I can appreciate in the seven years since I retired, the game has gotten considerably faster and that everyone is fast. But it is so rare to see someone that is heads and tails faster than anyone else at the NHL level. I mean, everyone can skate well. And the guys were Michael Grabner is really fast, but he doesn't blow you away with how fast he can be. Um, McDavid does in his acceleration and his ability to go through spaces, and maybe most impressively, give him the puck. He doesn't slow down. He looks like he speeds up. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you watch the game down there, and you just kind of see a blur go by you. And you're like, you know, I'll be talking to the producer. I'm like, look out, because you can tell if you're even with him, you've lost the race. And there were a few times last night where the Jets were kind of even with them and against another player who doesn't skate as well. They probably are able to make the defensive play. But by the time the puck gets to him, he's five feet past them. It is, he is unlike anyone ever, really, um, and, and with the speed that he can do things, the speed that he can skate, that he can stick handle, and that he can think. He is the fastest player ever to play hockey in those regards, and, that, and that's what makes him the modern-day next great one because – that's how the game's played. It's all about speed, uh, skating speed, thinking speed, puck speed, and, and he can do all of that um, almost literally faster than anyone. I don't think it's worked with Yakupov and Everly. To me, they're too much alike. Your thoughts on that line? Uh, you know what? We, we, we've touched on, on Yak before, and I like Nail. Um, you know, he buzzes around, but doesn't, he doesn't accomplish much out there. He, he, he's... It's not for lack of effort or good intentions, I don't think. I just don't think he reads the game the same way that certainly McDavid does. I think Everly and McDavid, because I think Everly um, maybe doesn't play quite the same pace as Connor McDavid, but he thinks it really well, and I think he understands the spacing, and it works a little bit better. I don't think Yakupov's a good fit there. Um, you know, he gets lost between trying to do too much individual stuff, because I think that was probably his tendency before the NHL, and standing around watching the other guys go to work. He can't find the, the balance of being a complimentary player. And I think that's where a guy who, while sometimes criticized, Benoit Pouliot has that ability to play with good players. And, and he thinks the game well enough to, to know when to get out of their way, when to support them, and, and when to chip in offensively. So you're right. I, I think Everly McDavid got some potential. I think um, Yakupov playing McDavid, they may get some points because McDavid will get just about anybody points, but it doesn't seem like a natural fit, and it certainly didn't look like it worked last night to the point that Todd McClellan appreciated that, and he put Laurie Korpakoski up there uh, for the last couple periods uh, with McDavid and, and Everly and, and dropped Yakupov down the lineup. 
You know, it's funny, uh, Mike, with, with Pouliot, because you got some of the hardcore analytics people, and they say that in his two years in Edmonton, he has produced like a first-liner. Now, I will settle for he is a second-line left wing. I, I, to me, the first line, he's just a little too inconsistent. And then the, the haters of Pouliot that don't like that he doesn't bury guys every opportunity in the forecheck, mm-hmm. they say he's a third-liner. What do you think he is? I think he's a complimentary second-liner. I think he could be a really good third liner if you have an, ex- an exceptionally deep team. But because he can play with good players that can help him, he doesn't really drive the offense, although he does create a lot of loose pucks, turnovers, um, possession plays, because he's, he's pretty good around the puck, even if he's not overly physical. Um, I think he's a second liner. I think anyone who scores you know, at that kind of 45 point range, that's a second liner. Now, people might not love the fact that he's on your second line, but that's a second liner. There's not, you know, whatever, 184 that get more than 45 points if you want to base it on points only. And I think the, the proponents of Benoit Pouliot would suggest that his game in many ways is, is, is not at all viewed in its entirety based on points. He does a lot of other things really well. So I think he's good enough to play with guys like Dreisaitl Hall, Everly McDavid, like those high-end guys, Nugent Hopkins. He can play with those guys and be a second liner. Patrick Maroon, um, star-crossed in Anaheim, great in the playoffs, uh, mm. slow start this year, you know, little bit of a heavy body, big body. Oilers desperately needed that type of body. It's worked so far. Your thoughts, why has that happened here? Uh, you know, the, the one thing I like about Patrick Maroon, I've covered him a couple years in a row in the playoffs, and you see how effective he can be, is that he, he stays true to who he is. And you say a little bit of a heavy body, I'd say... Yeah, maybe a bit more of a heavy body. I mean, he's a big, heavy guy. He's not the fleetest of foot. He's got good hands, but he knows where he has to go to be successful. And he's got to get to around the net. Shots, screens, tips, rebounds. Because he's so big, you can't move him out of there, and he's got good hands to finish. What he needs is players to get the puck into the offensive zone and to the net. He's not a guy who can transport the puck up the ice. He's just not fast enough. He can work it below the goal lines, but from his own end, through the neutral zone, down to, down to the, the goal, off the rush, that's not his bread and butter. But what it's working, why it's working in, in Edmonton is because so many of the Oilers forwards, that is their strength, but their weakness is once they get down and around the net. And so they complement each other that way, that he can defer and get the puck. And, you, know, you know, Taylor, you take it. And Leon, you take it. I'll get to where I need to get there eventually. You get the puck there when I get there, and, and, and I make good things happen. And I think that's the idea of why he would work playing with some of the high-end guys. Um, you know, I think foot speed's going to be an issue for him always just because of, of his body type, but play with the right guys. I mean, if you can play with Getzlaff and Perry and hang with them skill-wise in and around the net making plays, then, then you're in pretty good company. So um, I think that's probably why he can defer – and let Hall and Drysaddle carry the puck up the ice, and then do his damage in around the net. Well, he's been a good addition, and I, you know, for me, Cassian. You can make an argument. You know, I thought we might see Cassian last night with McDavid and Everly. And you know, one thing I noticed last night, Bob, which I appreciate, and I think you would as well, is that Edmonton as a group is a relatively quiet team. Yep. On the ice, on the bench, <laughs> um, maybe because they're young, maybe because they've lost a little bit, yep. maybe they're a little bit humble. There's not a lot of without Luke Gazdick in the lineup and, you know, maybe get a little bit from Matt Hendricks. There's not a lot of chirping going on there. And I remember at the end of the second period it was, and it was Patrick Maroon just laying into um, Blake Wheeler 
about nothing in particular. It's not a really big deal. But the fact that he's out there and he's just reaming them, saying whatever guys say on the ice, <laughs> is just out of character for what the Oilers usually do. And I think uh, that's yeah. a missing element. I think that's something that kind of emotional investment backed with the physical uh, presence is something that they need. Let's call a spade a spade here. The Oilers were too soft and too easy to play against in a multitude of fronts. Peter Shirelli's attempted to address that. Cassian was one step. Maroon's another. Mike, he's not done. He's gonna he's gonna continue to make them a bigger, heavier team. He's gonna find himself a bottom uh, six centerman that's six foot three and two hundred and twenty and two hundred thirty pounds. It's a jerk to play against as well. I mean, that's inevitable to be coming as well. Uh, speaking of teams that are hard to play against, Anaheim, they're back. Anaheim and Washington tonight. I know there's, I know it's a late game, but there's going to be a lot of folks watching that one. Who do you got, and uh, what do you think of those two teams right now? Uh, it's incredible. I mean, I think Washington, you admire their consistency. I still don't think they've lost two games in a row in regulation this year. So you, you, it's so hard to do that. So you admire their consistency. They have hit a little blip the last 10, 15 games, which is to be expected when you're winning everything by 20 points. At some point, your focus will drift off the here and now and to the playoffs. So I think they're at that point, and they're kind of going through a bit of a low patch. Anaheim, I guess they took the first two months of the year off, so they should be well-rested. The challenge for them, and what I would be worried about, because they've just been incredible, I mean, top to bottom, just it's, they're just rolling, um, is to put on a push of four months to get to the playoffs if they win the Pacific Division. Will they have emptied the tank? Will, there, will they have expended so much physical and emotional energy getting to the playoffs and winning the division that they may not have as much as they need to once they get there. But but this is a heavyweight tilt. I think it will absolutely get Washington's attention because they know how well Anaheim's playing. But I'm going with the hot hand. I think Anaheim's going to continue to roll. I think I said, whatever, three weeks ago they're going to win the Pacific Division. I hope I'm going to be correct because I like being correct. And so I'm going to take them in, in a really nice matchup, and I will, uh, I'll be up watching it. All right, great stuff, Mike. It was good seeing you this week. Absolutely, Bob, and uh, hopefully we'll see you one more time for the year's over. All right, good stuff. That is Mike Johnson from NHL Hockey on Rogers. It is 12.52 in Edmonton. Some guests and orders now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Mitch has texted the show to say, Yakupov's getting nothing done because instead of going north and south in straight lines, he's all over the place doing absolutely nothing. For me, Benoit's a third liner. If he's on his game, he's a second liner, but he's really inconsistent. And interesting comments from Mike on the on ice chatter. And it's the orders are quiet team. There's they've been quiet. And they have been humbled. Twelve fifty two in Edmonton. Uh, we'll get back to a couple things when we return on orders now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, six thirty Chad. All right. Welcome back, everybody. It is uh, 1256 in Edmonton. Want to mention hockey fans, New West Travel and Transit Holidays have teamed up to bring you a great selection of special travel packages for destinations for weddings, honeymoons, sport packages. 
river cruises, golf get I've never been on a river cruise, by the way, golf getaways, and for the outstanding employees and uh, salespeople in your company, New West Travel. You can design specific meeting and incentive reward packages to a variety of destinations around the world that will meet your budget. Plus, they all include parking at the Edmonton International Airport Value Park. For more information, call the friendly staff at New West Travel or go online to newwesttravel.com. That's not true. I have actually been on a river cruise. It was back in 1986. That was the year there were floods in northern Alberta. And we went into our own Joseph Conrad-like heart of darkness up the Wabasca River in northern Alberta. I know somebody's going to text us at 6.30, 6.30. And they remember when the Wabasca River breached the banks. It was unbelievable. Farm animals floating down the river. That's how bad the flooding was. So it was wild. We got stuck there for 17 straight days. That's when I started drinking Baileys. Anyhow, uh, yes, uh, 12.57 in Edmonton. A reminder, the best pizza in the city still making a great Royal Pizza. Multiple locations in Edmonton to serve you, including the original Royal Pizza in Old Strathcona, 45-plus years for Royal Pizza. Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza, Mediterranean Chicken. Brand new spot for Royal Pizza out in Ellerslie, and royalpizza.ca has catering as well. Should we open up the phone lines? Is this a good thing that the orders are putting together? I mean, at this stage of the game, does any, given the complexities of how the NHL draft lottery has changed, like, Brendan, do you care where the orders finish? I don't. No. Uh, you know, bonus if you get a top five. I'd rather see the team climb up the standings a bit and have some success at the end of the year. And I know there's going to be the haters who are, oh, it means nothing, it doesn't mean anything. But if they've changed the style of their play, and they're more competitive, and they're battling, and they're getting some saves from the goaltending, despite the challenges they have on defense, does it say something? I'd like to know. So we'll open up our phone line, 780-496-0063. Well, what it took uh, a rock-bottom performance the rest of the way to you know hang with the Leafs for 30th overall, because you look at their lineup right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say it's a positive. I know we went through this last year a bit. The Oilers played well near the end of the year. And, uh, well, they still end up getting the first overall pick. Might happen again this year we've as ne- well. We've never seen the team healthy all season. It's a little bit of a factor. They're starting to get some goaltending. We'll go off to 630 Chad News weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Come back with your thoughts.